Hey guys, it's Shell, one of the Miss Community, and I'm the mouth on the mic of Hitting the Streets podcast show. And today we are doing part two. So last week, I know you guys heard the episode of George Hughes and the Sherman Riots of 1930. Today we have the same guest of the roundtables that we had the roundtable that we had last week, and we're just going to do we're just going to chat about the about the story, and we're going to chat about where we are today. So once again, I have Jay Fitz on my right. Jay Fitz. Hey, hey, what's up, y'all? And I got Matthew. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. All right. And then I have Anika. Hey, everyone. And I have Melissa. Glad to be back. Yes. Okay, guys. So we're just going to dive right on in. This is part two of where we were having conversations last Sunday about George Hughes and about the Sherman Ride of 1930. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about where we are today. So really quick, guys, how do you feel? I know we had the discussion um, last week with the story, but how do you guys feel about where we are today? So the first question I have is how would you describe the overall state of racial relations in our country? Matthew, I'm going to have you start there. It's, uh, it's, it's out there, but it's not out there. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that we deal with today is, is trying to get past uncomfortable conversations to be able to have the real conversation. Right. So, um, you know, we, we talked last week about George Hughes. It's a tough story. Mm -hmm. It's a tough history, but it is history. It's, it's there. And so we, we've got to talk about it. And so I think today we've, We've got wounds that we know and, but we're not having, and we're having conversations, but we get to a certain point in the conversation and it's it. Defensive walls come up and, and that's it. And we shut down or, or we react in ways that just are not productive or conducive to, to actually getting to the root of the problem. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Melissa? How would you describe the overall state of racial relations in our country today? I agree with what Matthew said. Um, I feel like there is, I mean, I, I don't want to look at things like they're not going to get better. I think we, we can, we will get, things will get better and we have to have that attitude or there's no reason working towards anything. If you just decide that it's awful and it's because we are, we have improved from where we were, we'd like to think in 1930. Um, but also there is, when we talk about race or we talk, talk about differences, we, there's a lot of denial and a lot about well, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not, but everybody has those biases and those um, mm -hmm. things ingrained. And you, a lot of times you don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And um, so that discussion of, I, you know, I've heard that a lot from people saying, well, I never got my white privilege card or I never, or I don't, right. you know, I'm tired of talking about race or, yeah. you know, I've heard yep. lots of different ones, yeah. but that is kind of what, you know, the, the not me attitude and the denial that you are a part of the solution as well, a part of the problem and part of the solution. So. Okay. So a really quick, because we, I'm, I'm the timekeeper. So I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, Anika, I'm going to start with you. Did racial issues affect your parents and grandparents? Definitely my parents. So I get the wonderful, the grace of being, half black and half white. So you get a lot of stuff from both sides. Um, I feel like when we were younger, it was worse. Um, 
my parents growing up, I don't remember a lot of it since I was kind of small, but I remember whenever we lived closer towards like the cities, we did have a lot of issues with cops. Um, we've had a lot of issues with just discrimination over time. Uh, but as far as my grandparents, I don't know very much just because I didn't get to meet part of them. What, what about you, Jay? Did racial issues affect your parents and grandparents? Yes. <laughs> and, and there you have it. Okay, so I'm going to go on this. <laughs> I can't with you. I'm not, I can't with you. Well, okay, so, so let, me, let me go ahead and just ex- express it this way. Here we go, y'all. I have half black, half Mexican mother. I have a white stepfather. Both of these two, when you put them together, they're the most ultimate power couple. They're the fucking wonder twins. <laughs> <laughs> and if they can get along, mm. all of us mm. can. Yeah. Well said. Well, here, here. <laughs> that was great. Okay. So I don't know about that wonder twins, but that was great. Okay. Man, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell you that it did affect my parents uh, my mother and um and she growing up as a mexican-american she had to live on the same tracks with the black community and she dealt with a lot being mexican being hispanic oh yeah um she was called a wet back i don't know how many mm-hmm. times she was asked to go back to her own country you know and she's had to step off the sidewalk to let the white man pass. she had to drink out of a colored fountain mm-hmm. she had to use a colored restroom mm-hmm. so my mom yes um melvin he also dealt with it and they dealt with it as an interracial couple Mm -hmm. i will never forget the time back in the days we drove to florida um part of my family's in florida and i will never forget the time we had to drive through mississippi now i was very young and i remember him telling us to put our heads down in the car he could not be seen with someone mm-hmm. to even appear to look white. God forbid a child. Mm-hmm. God forbid if they made it and had a baby. Right. Yeah. So I remember traveling through Mississippi, having to put my head down in the back of the nice little Cadillac that he had. And my mother did too. Wow. Until we got through. So yes, racial issues did affect my parents. Mm-hmm. And it also affected even even when I was 10 years old. Yeah. You know, my mom was pulled over by the police. I can't even begin to tell you why. I think she was a turn signal or something or another. And he questioned her about who I was and what I was and my last name. And I would never understand that. Now, my mom, because of the person that she is, she handled it very well. She handled it with grace. And then she went straight to the police department and turned him in. So, I mean, it it has an effect on all of us. So how did it, how did it affect you when... Uh you and your husband started um, dating or, or even at, after that and became married, like, did you still get awkward looks? Did you still yes. get, you know, uh, uh, frumpy looking attitudes? Yes. You know? Brad and I still get that to this very day. I have a story to tell and I'll be really quick because we got to move on to the next question. Um, we went over to try to eat at this place. I will not mention the place because it's not the place's fault, right? It was the people that were there to eat some catfish. And we traveled over to another state to eat some catfish. And Brad was hesitant, but I was like, I'm, I'm gonna 
want some catfish. Y'all know how I am about my food. <laughs> and so we went over there to go eat. And as soon as we walked in and opened that door, him and I, people stopped eating and stared at us at the door. And I looked at Brad and I was like, I feel like I'm in Mississippi. Because mm-hmm. you were in Mississippi. Shit. And so, <laughs> and so we, I was like, I'm, I'm going to stay here and eat. I'm not, they're not running me off because you know, y'all know, y'all know how stubborn I am. And so I, we did, but to get the looks that we got because of our interracial marriage. Now, let me fast forward real quick. Mm-hmm. I used to work for a company in Louisiana. We had to travel down there a lot. Oh, yeah, Brad yeah. went with us one time for a party for the company that I work with. Well, we, we stayed at a hotel that was in the downtown area where we can walk anywhere we wanted to, to go get something to eat. <laughs> Brad felt at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got the frumpy looks oh. because I was with the white man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So see, yeah, you know, so it's just, it's just how it is. Brad and I too, there's times that I think some of people did not know Brad was married to a black woman. <laughs> I do not see how in this town, but it happens. And I think sometimes people go, oh, shell. Oh, and I'm like, really? We've been together 25 years. Right. How did you miss that? Yeah. Right. Dion doesn't tell people all the time that his wife is white. And so that he just says, my wife works at the library and they oh. come up there and they almost always go to Maryland and say, <laughs> and say, and say oh, you're married to Dion. And he's like, she's like, nope, that's her. <laughs> I, I think it's I think the reason is is because like even for myself like to me it doesn't matter what no, color no it doesn't no. so I'm not gonna put the name I'm not gonna put the name on that it's right. just my wife or yeah. right. my friend yeah. right. my, my you know whoever my girlfriend you know whatever the case may be it's, yeah. it shouldn't be like my black girlfriend was over here doing this yeah. like what like why would you <laughs> why do I start it up right yeah why why is that, <laughs> why is that portion no. you know yeah and everybody's gonna sit there and say that's the first thing I heard black now, girlfriend right. you know? and I will say this when the thing started with the George Floyd and then other things. I did talk to have a conversation with Brad and I did because I was like, okay, I just want you to know where I'm at and what's about to happen. And I need to know if you're going to be okay. He's like, I'm yeah, don't worry about me. He says, whatever you need to do, speak your mind, mm-hmm. speak it. Right. Now's the time. Mm-hmm. I, I back you up a hundred percent. And I was like, okay, I, I didn't even really have to go ask. But I feel like out of respect, and, and Melissa knows, I tell her that too, Melissa, I need to know, you know, do you want to do this? Because I totally respect, if you if you don't, I'm still going to do it. I, I just, to me, I think it's our friendship and my husband, that should should be asked, you know? It's not that I'm afraid, because I'm going to do it anyway. Y'all know me, right? <laughs> right? Y'all already know it's going to happen. But just out of respect, though. Yeah. But out of respect, and because... This is my family. Mm-hmm. So it may affect, and you're my friend. And so it may affect all of us. So I always want to ensure that you, you know, you're not obligated, but this is what I'm doing. Are you good with that? You know? All right. I'm going to move on to the next question. Matthew, this is for you. Okay. Were conversations about race a part of your upbringing? If so, how was the subject approached? Yeah. So yeah, emphatically, yes. Um, <clears throat> my grandmother uh, was a big civil rights activist in her own right. And so, um, you guys remember, right in Texas, they had the poll tax, which is one of the suppressions for, uh, for making sure that, that, um, minority, uh, voters couldn't vote. And so she would go and, and pay the poll tax, um, for her friends. And, and so, 
those lessons stayed stayed with us, but it was always a, a subject we talked about and it was not taboo for us. Um, and so we learned pretty quickly what white privilege was before it was a, a buzzword or a trigger word or whatever you want to call it today. But we understood that relationships with people of other races was going to be complicated at times. Oh, yeah. And but that's OK. You need to move past the complication yeah. to have the, the, the real talk and the real relationship. So, yes, it was. It doesn't always mean that I, I'd love to say that I, I, I was able to conquer any conversation or any any conflict. Mm-hmm. There's times where you, you know, you chicken out and you walk away from it because yeah. you're like, ah, I just I just don't know. But, yeah. But it, it, I understood that, that conversation had to happen at some point. And that that's that was made clear to us early on. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that because I have friends where that conversation didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, they're, I think, a little less aware of, of racial conflict and they may not know what white privilege would be or, or you know, how it comes to play. And so I'm at least thankful that I had that. It set me up at least for the, the right mindset to be able to have the conversation. It doesn't mean I have all the answers, right. but you can at least get to the conversation. And I think we need more people like you and Melissa on on that side of things. Um, to have those type of conversations. The, one of the things about having conversation and having dialogue is making that other individual feel comfortable yeah. and what they're talking about is important, even if it's a negative or even if you, even if it's something that they don't understand. Because the whole process of us doing this dialogue and talking is to do what? To learn, to grow, to understand, to heal, right? Yeah, right. To educate. To right. educate. To educate. Yeah. To educate. Yeah. So I think we need more people with those type of dynamics and mindset to to have these conversations and not feel like you're being attacked. Yeah. Right. I think you know? I think more people just need to be humbled and and be teachable because uh yeah, it's a very learn. it's a very teachable moment right now with uh with every generation mm-hmm. um at this point in time. It's 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 telling the old, hey, this ain't gonna work no more. It's telling the young, yo. Let's stop this. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I can I, I see I'm seeing the change. I'm seeing oh, the, yes. I'm seeing the change yes. bigger, more so now than I've ever had mm-hmm. within my life. Um, I see that me because I'm considered as a millennial. Um, me and the ones under under me now, you know, as far as generation mm-hmm. stands goes, you know, Generation Z and whatever mm-hmm. other generations come forth, even towards with, with my own children. Um, I can see the the dynamics are changing. More of these kids are starting to vocalize and tell their own parents mm-hmm. you're being racist. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, just straight out, just coming out with it. Yep. Melissa, w- were conversations about your race part of your upbringing? Well, I feel like my parents were kind of hippies, and they didn't ever really tell me anything about race. I mean, we, I had, you know, there were few black students in our school. I went to school here in Sherman. And um, we had a few Hispanic, but, um, you know, they didn't tell me there were any, you know, anything that there were any differences, of course, but they also said, uh, so, you know, I would have friends that were black and I would have friends that were white and no one, you know, nothing was said. Now, it was when grandparents later on and my parents would just kind of say, well, we don't say that we don't, you know, my, my parents would say something to the grandparents, but that was the only time I had heard it. Mm-hmm. And there was just a couple of relatives that, that said it. And, uh, and so we didn't really have discussions about it. Mm-hmm. And so, and even growing up, I don't know that we really had discussions with my children. Like, I don't know that, you know, being, being married to a black man and, and us having children together, I don't know that we discussed with the children 
differences that they might until recent with, you know, things going on in recent years, we've really talked about it more. And I've really um, gotten to listen to what more of what my kids have been through through the years, because it was just something we didn't bring up very often. Occasionally, people on the outside would ask, you know, ask questions. But um, so it's been it's been a learning experience for us as well. I just want to say that to me, I think that should be the normal. It shouldn't be so addressed that way. I'm hoping that we can get to that part part of our lives to where it's not addressed that way. It's just looking at, at a person for being who they are. Right. Yeah. And yeah. not have to have those conversations. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I agree. I, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It needs to be addressed at this very moment because yeah. I, because it's a problem. Right. It's a problem. Right. And we need right. a solution, but I'm hoping in the right. future, future. Yeah. That, yeah, right. that it's not, it's not like that anymore. It's like, Oh, that person's just this person. Right. Right. You know, it's, right. it's nothing to have to do with anything about color. Like right now else. you hear people say, like, I, I'm colorblind. You're like, that's nah. we're not there yet. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the next question. This is a pretty tough one. Um, and I'm and I'm gonna it's gonna be you, Matthew. Okay. Have you ever been accused of being a racist? And if you were accused, how did it make you feel? Yeah, so you know, remember I, I we grew up pretty acutely aware of, of race and, and, and the conflict and, and how that may, but uh, yes, I have been. And, um, I, and I think this sounds awful. I think there's value in hearing that because if you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially, you know, for, for kind of your general white person, especially like my friends group, I don't think there's any ill intent behind a lot of, of what may be considered racist, there's just kind of ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even think that this was racist. Um, and so I think there's value in, in being called out sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the times that I have been accused of being racist, I, I was, you know, it, not intentionally, but just something I was, there was this natural bias that I was unaware of mm-hmm. until somebody said, Hey, that's actually not right. And then you, you, that's a learning opportunity, right? You have a choice of either throwing up the defense mechanism and saying, no, I'm not, blah, 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 or you can say, well, hold on, wait, what, what did I say? What did I do? And how did that come that across? And what did I actually intend for, for it to be? Mm-hmm. Right? right. So, yeah. So yes. And, and again, I don't view that as a negative thing unless you're embracing it. Right. right. Then we have a problem. Yeah. Right. Right. Then, right. Then we have a problem. Yeah. And so that's the same thing too. That I, I, we, we talked about this offline, off the air. Um, there was something that I said last week that Melissa brought to my attention that was a little on the racist side and I didn't realize it. And she brought it to my attention. And and I I have to learn to make the correction because I really didn't even I I really didn't know what what I was saying or what I was doing. And I'm very thankful for that. But here's the deal. She didn't hurt my feelings. She didn't make me upset. She brought something to my attention to help me make the correction and and. It was an opportunity for me to learn from a friend telling me this is how you need to look at it. So she educated me on that. And I think that's something that we need to have a better understanding, educating people on that. Why you shouldn't say those things. Mm -hmm. Why it's how did you get to here to say those things? How to make the changes to say those things. So I think part of the process of what we're doing right now and having this dialogue is to learn things like that and how to address it in a calm manner the defense mechanisms that you brought up Matthew <laughs> why do you think that's happening why do you think on both on, on both sides 
You, not just, you know what I'm saying? On both yeah, sides. No, yeah. both. Right. Well, you think it's from, from all a, sides. Really. It's from all sides. Do you think it's because how they were taught and that's what's just programmed and ingrained in their heads? Or And I'm saying that even for myself because that's what happened to me. Right. When right. Melissa pointed that out, because that's what's been programmed. That's what I've learned. That's what I know. That's what I've been taught. I, I think from from uh, from my perspective, right, and mm-hmm. I can't sure. and I can't speak for all white people, correct? Either, right. right. Yeah. Uh, I just right. Want, wait, let me right. and let me ba- let me pick it back off of that. Right now, let me pick it back. Everything that we're having a conversation about, guys, I'm gonna put my disclaimer on there. It's based on our opinion. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I can speak from my mm-hmm. my experience, my life experience, but I, but I would say this: I think the defense me- when you say to somebody you're racist or you're mm-hmm. being racist, right. first of all, if you're not giving a, a reason why. Right. That's a missed opportunity, first of all. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're just saying you're racist, right, then naturally, I think, you know, uh, fight, you know, those are fighting words. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the other piece is, is people, especially I think white people view racism under the big R. Right. The bit, the KKK or like you're are you you uh-huh. tell that's what you're calling me. Yeah. And I don't I don't think we connect the dots to say, yes, there's all kinds of racism. Correct. And we might participate in some of it. Mm-hmm. And not know it. Not know it. Yeah. And we may not participate. You know, most of us don't participate in the big R, right? What we consider the big R racism. Um, but so I think there's a lot of nuance that you kind of have to unpack when you say you're racist, right? Because you naturally go, "Well, I'm not," and that's that's the well, I'm not racist, yeah. Right? I, I don't have a, I don't, have, I don't have a white hood in my, you know. Yeah. Hold on, that's Hold not on, what we're that's saying. That's not what we're saying. Not what we're right. saying. No. Okay. Right. Good point. I feel you on that. All right, I'm going to move on here really quick. This is for Anika and Jordan sitting here on the panel. Uh, Jordan, you're up first, and you're going to have like two minutes because we've got some time going here. Do you feel your race impacts your your daily life? Every day. Okay. If so, how? Just give me an example. Being this tone, this color tone, I've seen people will lock their doors and wind up their windows. I've seen uh, others even from my own look at me differently because I have white friends and they're like, you're, you're a black dude. Like, why do you have all these white friends like that? Like, are you trying to be white? Are you trying to be white too? And it's like, what? No, I don't look at it that way. But it, it throughout my life, it has impacted me so much good and bad and indifferent. And it has made me the person who I am today. Anika, how about you? I would also say it's an everyday thing. You know, I, there isn't a day that I'm not aware of my race. Um, There's not a time unless I'm staying in my house by myself with nobody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the only time I don't think about it. If I'm ever out in public, especially now that I live in like the Fort Worth area, you get a lot of, Mm -hmm. it'll be something as small as a look sometimes. Uh, Sometimes I take counts on who actually stops their car when I'm crossing a crosswalk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And most of the time, they don't stop for me Uh-oh. at all. Okay. <laughs> I've almost got hit a couple times, but oh, wow. yeah, yeah uh-huh. it's just, it's, I wouldn't necessarily, I have no, sometimes it's positive again, sometimes it is negative, um, but mm-hmm. definitely makes an impact. I've, I've had so many people come up and say, I love your skin tone. I love your skin. Oh, yeah. Or your hair. Or your hair. <laughs> yeah. Or does Can it I take a long hair? time? Oh, yeah. We so, can't go to restaurants without to feel your hair. Well, yeah. Uh, I've even had, I've even had, I've had black women come up to me and be like, you're not completely black. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? 
you know, and they're yeah. like, I could tell, you know, your hair yeah. is different. You're, or you talk funny. Or you talk, yeah. talk funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah you talk funny. Yeah, you know, or, and I'm like, you know, just because I'm educated or and I'm articulate with myself, that yeah. doesn't mean much. Does it change saying. the color of my skin? Yeah, right. like, what? Um, I used to work at a place, and I'm just going to, and I'm going to say this, and then we're going to take a quick break, guys, and then we're going to come back with some more questions. Um, I did work at a place where a friend of mine had, um, she wore dreadlocks, mm-hmm. and they were mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. And, um, they wanted her to cut her hair. Yeah. And she was like, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> she was. And she, she was like, should. what does my hair have to do with I my mean, job? Right. Yeah. 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 And um, they were like, well, your hair's actually offensive to some people here. No, it's not. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't get that. I, I don't I I'm wish never somebody would tell that. me my hair was offensive. Yeah. Too. And yeah. so <laughs> that was that was that was rough times yeah. because it affected all of us. And I don't have dreadlocks, but it affected me because yeah. that's her heritage. That's that's her. That's part of her. That's what she is. That's, that's what you know. That's, that actually, that's part of. Uh, that's really our heritage. Well, it is our heritage because because the dreadlocks, the longer it is, it means you're more connected to. It's the right earth. and more connected yeah. to the earth. And she's like, I'm not cutting off my dreadlocks, you know. And and I was like, that's discriminatory, you know. So there, it, it went all kind of sideways. It's just let me say that for that's the record. Like, that's that's like asking a, a woman uh, from the Middle East to, to, to turn in her hijab. You know, like, what the f- Right. That, yeah. That's their thing. Right. So. But it's, and what I'm seeing is just her coming in. She's a beautiful black woman. Mm-hmm. Great spirit. Mm-hmm. Always positive energy. And I think, is that what you guys do to turn it around? Because she's so full of life. Mm-hmm. She's so connected. Well, part of that is in her hair. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. And so it was a thing and it got escalated. But at the same time, you wonder why was that even brought up into your head? Because it's offending people. Who is it offending? Right. And then years later, they're talking about even in schools that the, that these black girls in schools, you know, California or wherever mm-hmm. and on, that they can't wear their hair that way. And it's like, who the fuck are you? To tell someone how they cannot wear their hair mm-hmm. like that, I said you try to you could you could say all day, you know you you have certain rules, but where does the where did that draw the line? Right. Because it's not about it's not about coloring their hair and making it look all this that and other because it's too distracting, which that's completely bullshit. But uh, I'm just like that, like to me, I feel like that's just a form of control because because mm-hmm. you can't. Right. <laughs> well, like I said, it was just just talking overall those are some of the things that we have to deal with sometimes it's just based on our looks Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just based on our hair or our clothes are too loud or our voice is too loud i can't tell you how many times i got looked over for management positions because i'm too black and too loud and i'm a woman what does that mean though i'm too black well I, well, so I don't fit the image. Right. I don't fit yeah, the that's, image that's because yeah. I'm too black, too loud, and I'm a female, and there's no way, or because, or because I stand up and say, no, right. But that's that's the that's the little R racism that actually is the yeah. bigger piece of racism, racism. Than, than somebody calling you a, yes. a name, yeah. right? It's that's the, correct. The ones that are closeted is the worst, right? You're correct. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break, and um, we'll be back. We still have more questions to ask, and then we'll we'll wrap up. Hitting the Streets is a podcast show and your number one resource to discover the latest buzz about the best local businesses and community events in the North Texas area. 
Become a guest on our show. Generate buzz around your business. Ask us about advertisement. Visit our website today at hittingthestreetspodcast.com. Okay, guys, we're back and we're going to wrap this up with a few more questions. And so we're just going to go ahead and start. We're going to start with Matthew. So Matthew, here's one of the questions that I want to ask is, um, what are the underlying underlying conditions or barriers that hinders better race relations? Guilt. Mm. Guilt. <gasps> Oof. Uh, <clears throat> right. Again, I'm going to speak on on from my behalf sure. and, and and friends that that are white that I talk to about race, and I think the issue of guilt is really hard to get around. Okay. Um, and and the way the way we need to go about doing this is not to blame, mm-hmm. right? Um, because then we can hide behind. Well, that wasn't me. That was generations ago. Mm-hmm. But but there needs to be accountability to understand. Hey, one heritage did something to another heritage, another race of people, right? Um, and and we can't we can't move that under the rug, right? You've mm-hmm. got to acknowledge that and then mm-hmm. say, okay, so now what? How do we proceed from here? And it's a really hard thing to do because it's hard to look. It's hard for me to look Jordan in the eye and, and know there's there's a history. We're two different races. Mm-hmm. My race has a history of doing something awful to your race, mm-hmm. right? And it makes me want to avoid you or avoid that situation, mm-hmm. right? right. I, I think that's a big piece of it is, is guilt. So mm-hmm. moving beyond the guilt and then putting it on, I think we said uh, in, the, in the last podcast, you know, I think we all saw the, the George Floyd video. I mean, I, I know when I saw it for the first time, I know exactly my, my frame of mind, which is I was viewing everyone I love under that knee. Yeah. And that's where I think we have to put it to a, a very human element and say, look, at the end of the day, it's the pursuit of happiness that is the most thing. And yes. what barriers does Jordan have? What barriers does Shell have? What barriers do I have? Yes. And let's eliminate the barriers. And the reality is the barriers that I face to my happiness are of my own doing. The barriers that Jordan faces in his happiness is a combination of his own doing but also society, mm. right? And that's we have Damn. to understand that and and start to eliminate those barriers. Yeah. I agree. There's I enough agree. happiness to go around. It's not a zero sum game. Yeah, right. just because yeah, Jordan's yeah. happy doesn't mean I'm not happy. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. All right. I have a question for the entire for the entire table here. Um, which is the bigger problem in people understanding today's community challenges? People overemphasizing race or underemphasizing race? Now I'm going to start with Melissa. I'm going to read this question one more time. Which is the bigger problem in people understanding today's community challenges? People overemphasizing race or underemphasizing race? I don't know that I have a good answer for that because I I always have a hard time with questions that are all or you know like mm-hmm. everyone feels one way um because I would say that people who have not experienced racism and live in their bubble of not maybe not having any black friends they only know about you know black issues from tv or from maybe having a friend at work or you know um they may think it's not that much of an issue and that that they don't need to address it and then um and then there may be people who that is where that is all they think about and that's all they um they can't get past the anger. 
Anika, do you have anything on that? Um, I think it's kind of hard to choose which one's worse, just because they're both. I mean, I mean, it's both sides of a coin. There, you have people who, I think, it might be worse to undersimplify it and just under, you know, mm-hmm. um, understand or try to, mm-hmm. simply because if you're overemphasizing race, you're aware that the problem is there, and so. Some people would argue, you know, people argue about affirmative actions and over, over emphasis, overemphasizes race. But I feel like sometimes to get us to where we need to be, you have to overemphasize this issue until people bring it to its attention to everybody. Correct. And okay. hence, I can't stress this enough type of thing. You know? yeah. yeah. Right. Matthew, how about you? No, spot on from what Anika said. Yes, I, I, agree. I agree. Yep. Jordan. I say it's over and under as well. I agree. Um, I think it's both. I agree with all of you guys. I think sometimes you can talk about it way too much. You know what I mean? Sometimes things got to work itself out. Right. And you do what you can. Yes. You do what you can to help that situation or to resolve that situation. And then I think sometimes in certain like what Melissa said, with certain groups and maybe certain areas, it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. And because it's not happening in your community, in your town, doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be talked about. So I, I think um, it just depends on where you are. You know, however, as I say that, if it is brought up, we all need to be proactive in talking about it. You know, at, at in a calm manner. There's no need to get into an altercation or get upset or feel like you're being attacked. Leave the small fights to them. Yeah. Leave the small fights to them. I agree. I, I, um, I think what the issue really is, is kind of like what Denzel Washington said is that it starts at home. And if you can't, uh, if you can't get a grasp on that issue right then and there at the house, at the home to be teachable and to teach the next generation later on, then it's going to keep doing this. It's going to keep on going with yeah. the with these same issues until until one day it's just going to blow up. Right. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next question, Melissa. This is for you. What are the benefits of diversity? Okay, that is a big topic, but I'll just give a couple of reasons. That- <laughs> no, please, no. And please. So- <laughs> we don't have enough time for that. You know? <laughs> That's another show. Yeah. No, the main thing. Um, when you have, uh, when you hire only people or you're only around people that are like-minded, um, you are in a little bubble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's very easy to discriminate against others because you only have talked to people who who think like you do and believe like you do mm-hmm. and you don't get any new ideas. Mm-hmm. And so the same like with workplace, um, I try to hire people that look different and, and believe differently and uh, think differently than I do because um, those ideas are great. I mean, it's 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 almost like uh, superpowers. You know, everybody has different strengths and you bring people who think differently than you and uh, you make a good team because uh, you've got lots of different ideas. Yes, I agree. Culturalism, man. Like if everybody was just more cultured, everyone just like one of like like one of me go hang out with uh, the Jewish people and learn learn what their ways are. Uh, uh, the Jewish person comes back and learns what the German person does. The German person goes back and, you know, uh, uh, 
look, you know, see what the Mexicans would be doing. You know, like if everyone just sat down, like how we are right now, just had a full conversation and, or, or going into each other's uh, fields, culture. which is culture, which is uh, so sometimes can be uncomfortable because it's something new. But, but if we did that, we learned so much more. You learned mm -hmm. so much. A, a lot of people who have left out of uh, 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 their own countries have come back with a whole new knowledge and gain and they they all say it man you got to go out and travel and mm -hmm. learn these things you know i'm like yeah but <laughs> you know? okay so here's the bigger question for all of us and um and it's a subject that has been talked about since especially since george floyd um the movement is called black lives matter and the question is how important is black lives matter and Jordan, I'm going to give you the floor, but you got like two minutes. <laughs> I get long winded. <laughs> so, so repeat that question one more time. How important is Black Lives Matter in your opinion? Okay, in so in my in my humble opinion, Black Lives Matter because to me, on a scale of how many of us are here, in a percentage wise in this nation nationwide, is that we are we're only what a third of the population and yet we're the ones that are getting taken out times two from compared from a lot of other people black people here in america have made so many milestones for america with america by america and i feel like like we're just put on the back burner how about you matthew I got, I think I got two things. Um, I think one is that we, it matters because the, the black race is the only race where we have to remind people mm -hmm. that they matter. And what I mean by that is this, the history of the black race in America compared to the white race has been one of property. Yeah. Black people have been property. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the only race where that applies. And so we have to remind ourselves Hey, wait a second. We're talking about lives here. Mm -hmm. And so Jordan, when you talk about hip hop and everything else, you know, you get this, this, you know, it's, it's easy for white people to appreciate and adopt black culture mm -hmm. when it's a property, property, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but when it's humanity, when it's looking somebody in the eye and, and seeing that they're human, that's different. So mm -hmm. we need that reminder. And sure. on that note, which leads me to two, uh, we, we did participate in the March, uh, or the, you know, the, the, um, the civil pro or the March here uh, in Sherman. Mm -hmm. uh, my one regret is we did not March. We sat on the sidelines and I thought, you know, it's not my story, but it, it should be, I should be a part of that story. I, we mm -hmm. need to all be a part of the story. We, we're not, I mean, not I rewriting mean, it, but I, being part of it. Just to say, I mean, Bernie Sanders did that too. Right. Like in the civil, I mean, he, uh, uh that's, uh, the civil rights movement, he, he did the same thing. He was like, I'm not, I can't stand to be on the sidelines no more. Right. Right. So and I, there was, I get that. yeah. And there was a moment, Shell, you, you know, cause I posted on Facebook, there was a moment where there was a, a, a black man walking and he was filming the sides and he looked over at us and he raised his fist and we raised our fists and he was crying. Mm -hmm. And then I started crying mm -hmm. because at that moment it, it was a human being where I thought, all you want is to look at me and see acceptance. acceptance. And all I want acceptance. is to look at you and say, I accept you and you accept me back. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, and that's, so that's, if, if, if nothing else, if that's our reminder, when we hear black lives matter, mm -hmm. 
that's a start. That's a start. Yeah. Anika, how about you? Yeah. So how's important is Black Lives Matter? It's as important as life is because that's the whole point of the movement. Some mm-hmm. people try to argue and say that Black Lives Matter is something that's political, but livelihood is not political. No, it's not. Thank you. <laughs> no, we're Thank you, Anika. Should right. No, the fact that some people try to make it political, but that's people pushing for the other side. So I, I think it's very important. I think that communicating Black Lives Matter to people is important. Um, I just feel like, especially like with what you had said, the fact that people had viewed black people as property prior is the reason we have to say black lives matter in the first place. It's not because we don't care about everybody else's lives. It's just that there's already value in your life. Whereas with black, there's no value in our lives. So, so mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, so, so Jewish people, they have value here. Mm -hmm. Native Americans, they have value here. Mm -hmm. Even the Mexicans have value here mm-hmm. but when you when you talk about black folks it's always devalued mm-hmm. and it's like well where did that draw the line where did mm-hmm. y'all see the devalue when we've been oh. when we have not as far as i know yeah right. <laughs> what about you melissa well as we looked at with the local history mm-hmm. um, um you noticed that there is a long goal of a narrative of black people being dangerous or being like you yeah. said being property yeah or uh, you know there's there's always been kind of a narrative that that uh of what black people are mm-hmm. um and to be feared or to be and black lives matter black lives matter does humanize like you said mm-hmm. um yes and um we look at you know times that um, there have been kids that have been killed, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, well, they they were doing this and that, but they were children." Like, yeah. and if you were adults. to put a white child yeah. in that place in that story, yeah. you'd say, oh, "Well, that kid shouldn't." You know, I mean, society would, you sure. know, as a whole, be like, "Oh, this poor kid well, it shouldn't have to go through this." But black kids have to face this mm-hmm. at a lot younger than all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the time. Well, it's, it's, prime it's, example is George Hughes. Right. Yeah. Think about the children, and I'm going to say this. That angry mob that was there, the five thousands of them, the women and the children were on the front lines. Oh yeah, yeah, the kids there throwing rocks. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, well, they were holding those kids there, and the in the the women and the children, so they won't attack because they're not going to attack mm-hmm. women and children. Mm-hmm. Texas Rangers mm-hmm. won't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a very good point. Uh, really quick, the children that are watching this, and and watching this through not only through us, Mm-mm, through yeah. through through the media, yeah. Through, through what people are saying. And I had to have a conversation with my own granddaughter mm-hmm. in reference to a lot of this because of things that have been said around her that I had to correct. Because I don't want my grandchildren growing up with hate. I don't want my grandchildren growing up being racist. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So very good for you bringing that to attention. Yes, uh, we know that the children are being killed. But think about the ones that are watching this on the media and what... Those how, parents. How are is teaching. that shifting their brains? Yes. Yep. So that's a very, that's a very good point. Okay. So me with Black Lives Matter. So one of the things that um I want to bring up real quick, and 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 this is me, and this is my opinion. So I'm I've heard so many people come back to me, and I'm pretty open to discussion. Um, what about all lives matter, Shell? All lives matter too. Yes, yes, people, the audience that's listening, all lives do matter for me all 
God's people matter. That That's for me. But the Black Lives Matter, the reason why it is so important to look at this this way, and I'm going to tell you why here in just a few minutes, it, it's because of it's appalling of how many of our brothers and sisters, Black men and, and Black women, are being killed, taken out at such a fast rate, okay? So I have some resources here, and I'm only going to talk about one resource, and it is from the Washington Post. And the reason why it is so important for Black Lives Matter is because Black Americans are killed at a much higher rate than white Americans. Although half of the people shot and killed by police are white, Black Americans are shot at a disproportionate rate. They account for less than 13% of the U.S. population, but are killed by police at more than twice the rate of white Americans. Hispanic Americans are also killed by the police at a a disproportionate rate. That is the reason why we're seeing Black Lives Matter. And I'm going to share this on my page. The rate at which Black Americans are killed by police is more than twice as high as the rate for white Americans. That is why we say Black Lives Matter versus all lives matter. And another thing, another way to look at it, and someone told me this, someone told me this because I said that because I said all lives matter. They said, she'll look at it this way. If you pictured your son lying there below the knee and you had your funeral of your child and your child is there and you're seeing that your child is important, like I'm saying Black Lives Matter is important, and someone stands up and say, but all children matter, how would you feel? That's something that I want you guys to think about. Because that would break my heart. And some of us are broken that way. Some of us feel that way when you say all lives matter. Because we know good and well, we wouldn't want you to stand up and say that at somebody's funeral. If I lost one of my friends, if I lost my husband, I wouldn't want anyone to say, well, all husbands matter. All friends matter. I just want you guys to take time out to think about that. That's all I'm asking. If a building gets knocked down, and someone says we should probably rebuild that building, and everybody says, "Well, all buildings matter." What? How do you feel about that? That sounds sounds a little little retarded, doesn't it? <laughs> Only this one would come on my mic and say that. I'm, I'm, turning, gonna, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm what, turning what, your mic. I'm off. gonna say what's on my mind. <laughs> I'm gonna say what's on my mind. So here, here I feel about. So think about this. If you've ever seen Time to Kill, then you would know how how it generally feels. Mm-hmm to allow or to see that something like this will, would happen. It can happen all the time. So here, here we are in today's society, like the, the Parkland shooting. They said that that guy was a broken child, but he's 19 years old. He made that choice. He's, he's an adult. But the way how they treated Tamir Rice, small black kid who's 12 years old, they tried him like an adult. You think that's fair? You think that's right? And, and I mean, I'm not trying to be all about, all about race, but in this case, how can you treat a 12-year-old kid as a 19-year-old man? And not only that, he's a black child compared to this white guy who obviously he probably does have some things going on, 
but he's 19. He's an adult. He had the choice. 12 year old kid ain't going to make those kind of choices. He's all he's thinking about is playing video games. But here, but, but that kid, but that kid died. He died for, for nothing. Okay. So I know we got a little bit heavy, but we're going to talk about solutions. So one of my questions here, as far as a solution is what can we do to make positive changes? That's the question, Matthew. Um, if we're not talking, we can't do right. So we got to talk first. Mm. It's going to be overwhelming. It can feel overwhelming. Where do I even oh. start? Yeah. Right. It's so big. It's a big, it's a big topic, mm -hmm. but we all have passions for me. It's education, right? So I, mm -hmm. I view this as what's happening in the education system that I can look at and help fix. Correct. So, so pick your passions, talk okay. and then do. Right. How about you Anika? Mine was going to be, if you're not talking about it, you can't change it. You have to, you're going to come to a point where somebody's going to say something to you, or maybe you say something. And if, if you feel that there's that change, you can feel it whenever there's a discussion that might be tense or uncomfortable, you just need to take it. Cause I think a lot of people are scared of confrontation mm -hmm. is where that comes from. So a lot of people don't put up the effort to go into conversations like that especially when they don't know how they're going to, you know, people are going to react to them. But if we don't have those conversations, there won't be progress. Melissa. Well, like they said, I, I do think talking is important, but also um, just from an individual level, so, you know, surrounding yourself with uh, people that uh, different groups of people and different ideas. Um, and uh, also, I know we didn't get too much into policing, but also, um, the, the importance of diversity in policing and looking at um, maybe the mental health side mm -hmm. and also focusing mm -hmm. more on solutions rather than, rather than um, um, punishment, dealing with prevention mm -hmm. and um, ways mm -hmm. to help the community instead of dealing with the after effects of problems. What about you, Jay? How can we, what can we do to make positive changes? I think the positive changes that we can do is to speak up is to have these kind of conversations that we're having right now. And, and not only that, not just talking about it, do something about it. Go to these communities, go to black communities, go over there and share something from, from a, a black owned business or from a native American or from a Mexican or from any, you know, it, uh, to me, I think the, I think if we stop pointing each other's, you know, at, at, you know pointing the finger at each other, and start looking at what's what's really the, the 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 lining there. Where 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 does this fall from? Where does this fault from? And and make that change right then and there. You know, um, talk. Every everyone should talk within each other at at their own homes to explain this. This is how the world has been, but this is not how this is not what we want. Mm -hmm. This is not how we want to make this uh, uh, a setting for it, it needs to be done. So to me, I think that the change is not only that I also see it within the children of now, because there's so many children right now that don't, that don't care. They don't care. They, they love you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I look at that as that we, we, we need to learn from them. We need to learn from these little kids. These little kids are showing us, something better than what we've already have uh, done. And I think the, the issue would, 
would would leave? Um, positive changes for me is what I'm doing tonight. Right. I reached out to a group of people, asked them a couple of questions and asked them would they be willing to sit down and have these conversations. And I think that needs to be done overall. Um, and I think I think when you're sitting down and having these type of conversations with, with individuals, you learn so much more. You learn about their background. You learn about their culture. You learn their likes and dislikes. And, and guys, please know that we can all agree to disagree. Oh, yeah. We never should have to fight or battle over something, especially something like this. Right. Um, I am very thankful and grateful for the friends that I have. And I and I and I am really truly thankful for the love that I get, especially on this podcast, my fans. Um, but Matthew, I appreciate you more than anything stepping outside of your box and being here and and giving us your background. Hell yeah. Um, and speaking up. That helps us. Jordan and I more than you ever know to look at things differently. Anika, same goes for you. You have a voice. Use it. I hear you. And 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 what I'm saying is you and Jordan are the younger generation. And if you guys can make a change, it, it will take you guys. I mean, you guys are the ones. At the at, and here's another thing: communities, like Jay said, communities, it starts there. It takes the younger generation like you and Jordan to step it up. Look and see what's going on in our communities. Mm -hmm. What can you guys do to help? We lean on y'all. You guys can make a change. Step it up. Vote. Go out and try to be on the city council. You have all kinds of things out there, you know, that you guys can do to make this change. Melissa, and we're running out of time here. Melissa, thank you for bringing all this together once again. I absolutely adore your spirit and your and your enthusiasm on history. You have taught me a lot over these past few months, and um, I appreciate it very much. All right, guys, we've got to go because I'm running out of time. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. Thank Matthew. You. Thank, yes, you. thank you. Thank you. Great show, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Jolly good show, huh? <laughs> this is Shell, Roman Miss Community, and I am out of here.